0: Welcome to Wellness Now, a health and wellness information program brought to you by Valleywise Health and District Medical Group. Each week we go in-depth with different healthcare experts on some of your top health questions, getting answers to help you live your best life. Hello and welcome to Wellness Now, presented by Valleywise Health and District Medical Group. I'm your host, Dr. Michael White. According to the CDC, women are 33% more likely to visit the doctor than men. This is despite the fact that men are not only prone to the same diseases as women, but also face other unique health issues. So how can we convince men to take charge of their own health? Joining us to discuss this today is Dr. Nathan Delafield, a district medical group physician at Valleywise Health. Dr. Delafield, thank you so much for joining us today.
1: Thank you for having me, Dr. White. I'm pleased to be here. So let's just start out
0: with kind of a basic philosophic question. Why don't men go to the doctor as much as
1: women? That's a great question that I think we're all trying to figure out. But uh, fundamentally, I think it comes down to the fact that we, we may be too prideful. We may not develop good experiences with health care at younger ages that would make us more prone to seeking out healthcare in our adulthood. We take risks, and that may, may play a role as well. Uh, but it's very important that we see the doctor regularly and develop good long, long-lasting relationships with healthcare.
0: I absolutely agree. You know, as I think and I reflect on this and reflect on this type of question, it's really about, you know, we men are not often able to express themselves as well and be vulnerable with other people. And they talk about some of these issues, which may be some of the reticence for people to seek medical care.
1: Yeah, yeah, I agree. Communication and openness to communicating some of these rather sensitive topics as we age um, is, is really a challenge for men seeking out regular health care.
0: Probably one of the f- effects of this is we often see that men don't live as long as women. You know, on average, men die six years younger um, than women do. Mm. Do you feel that this is part of the problem or is it more related to some of maybe that risk behavior that we were discussing?
1: Well, I think that there are, there are several issues that play a role. Um, men do take, take risks perhaps more than, than women do on average, that place them at a uh, higher chance of early mortality. Um, men are prone to cardiovascular disease, as you well know, um, at higher rates in particular than, than women. Maybe uh, It may also play into cultural and societal factors that play into a man's diet physical activity and job. And those other things, those contributing factors really do result in a higher incidence of early death compared to women.
0: You know, a lot of the work that we attempt to do as physicians is really around preventative care. You know, we're great at taking care of acute illnesses and being there for people when they're sick, but really one of our large charges is to focus on prevention of disease. Why is it important for men to, you know, undergo these frequent evaluations, or annual evaluations at least, with their healthcare
1: professional? Well, prevention is key, as you mentioned. And um, in order to, to catch disease before it's advanced and causing significant problems, we need to establish what the baseline is. We need to regularly be able to screen our patients for high blood pressure, diabetes, cholesterol problems, that can contribute to heart attacks, strokes, and other, other, other organ issues. And so it's really important that we have, a, uh, we have a connection to healthcare and a healthcare team where we can get these routine screenings done to prevent these bigger problems from happening.
0: And I think that's key to a lot of this is, you know, a lot of these diseases are those screening tests. So you mentioned some, you know, things like we're screening for blood pressure. So we measure the blood pressure in the office. What are some other screening tests that we try to do routinely in order to catch some of these problems and help prevent some long term complications?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, In addition to the things we've mentioned, we're often uh, screening our patients for contagious infectious diseases. Uh, HIV, Hepatitis C. We also, very importantly, screen our patients for cancers. So we want to make sure that we get ahead of those things so that we can prevent advanced Uh, cancers from affecting someone's life and so some of those things particularly for men would include prostate cancer screening in particular if they have a family history or if they're of an African-American descent Uh, looking at colon cancer screening uh, at the age of 45 now we recommend universally that we begin to screen for colon cancer so that we can prevent widespread colon cancer or other problems that come along with that Screening for lung cancer in patients with a smoking history or a significant family history. And then, of course, reviewing a patient's family history every time that we have the opportunity to see them to make sure that we're not missing something else that may put them at high risk of an unfortunate cancer from arising down the line. Now, other things that we screen for very importantly, perhaps more now than ever, is screening for any psychological impairment anxiety, depression, concerning symptoms that have arisen for many of us throughout this COVID-19 pandemic and have affected many of us in the way that we function in our day-to-day lives.
0: You know, one of the more common concerns that we often see in men, and we talked about it early on in this conversation, is really around cardiovascular disease. We know that this is one of the leading causes of death in men. So what are some things that we should have in conversation with our male patients around cardiovascular disease and and how to best manage
1: that? Mm -hmm. The first conversation to have, I think, is about lifestyle. Quality of lifestyle, your level of physical activity in general, we're recommending that men um, and women try to achieve 150 hour, or 150 minutes of exercise per week. So on average, if you can get 30 minutes of physical activity five days a week, that would be ideal. But even if you're able to achieve three to five days, that would be even, even better than having a lifestyle that is uh, sedentary or, or not very physically active. The other factors that play a big role would be considering diet. How much salt are you taking in? Are you having a well-rounded diet where you're consuming vegetables, lean proteins like chicken, fish, turkey? Limiting the red meats. How much processed food and fast food are you eating? Where's your food coming from? So those are some of the really important things that we often talk about in prevention of cardiovascular disease. Now, the other factors are, of course, what's your family history like? And are you at increased risk of early-onset heart disease? And if so, how can we change the course of that for you so that we don't have that bad outcome?
0: And I think it's very important. And you certainly, you know, we've, we've learned a lot about the prevention and the prevention of heart disease and many of the risk calculators and conversations that we can have. And, and family history is a huge piece to that. And being able to have that conversation, check some basic things, blood pressure, blood work to measure cholesterol, things that we know that can influence that and make interventions early so we can have that 10-year impact that we're all looking for in that prevention conversation. The other big thing is in that area in in my opinion, is around tobacco use and and tobacco use disorder, is really having the conversations about smoking, smoking cessation, and the tools that we have available to be able to mitigate or help you, you know, crack the habit of tobacco use disorder if you're looking to quit.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Smoking is the leading cause of preventable death. And so by, by curbing that terrible habit, we're able to really change the course of someone's risk for cardiovascular disease.
0: If you're just tuning in, we're talking about men's health with Dr. Nathan Delafield, a district medical group clinician at Valleywise Health. Valleywise Health offers exceptional health care for all ages at several locations across Maricopa County. If you need medical care or have questions for one of our clinicians, visit valleywisehealth.org to get started you know we focused on you know the cardiovascular system but a, another large problem that we're starting to see you know within the united states is is really the epidemic around diabetes so how can we in our male population begin to focus on the prevention of diabetes and if you have diabetes the treatment of diabetes
1: in the prevention of diabetes as we have discussed with so many other conditions family medical history matters lifestyle matters Consumption of a high-carbohydrate diet, things like bread, rice, pasta, tortillas, fast food, and these types of items, uh, sugary beverages and soda, juice, these things contribute to elevated blood sugar levels. And eventually, you reach a critical threshold where your body can't keep up and you develop diabetes. And so this is a problem that affects the whole body, in particular the eyes, the nerves, the kidneys – and can put you at increased risk of cardiac disease. And so really focusing on improving diet, limiting those carbohydrates, increasing physical activity, watching your weight and trying to reduce your weight if you're considered to be overweight or obese. And of course, as well, considering what other risk factors you may have, including family history, to reduce your risk of diabetes. Now, if you are found to have diabetes through screening with your doctor, which is, which is typically done through blood tests, having other tests done, getting your eyes, your feet, your kidneys checked, making sure your blood sugar is well controlled because we have the tools necessary to not only reduce your risk of complications of diabetes, but also to reduce your risk of cardiovascular disease as a result of diabetes as well through medicines.
0: I think if you take one thing away from us in this conversation today it's really you know these types of things and conversations are ones to have with your healthcare professional to say these are the things that we can do today. We there's things that it's never too late to start. These are the things that we can start to do now that are going to have a positive impact to help prevent some of these types of things.
1: Yes, I agree. And one of my some of my most exciting Patient care interactions are those where a patient is diagnosed with diabetes and simply through lifestyle change um, and the encouragement of their health care team and their families, they're able to change the, the disease process entirely, controlling their blood sugars and not needing med- medicines.
0: And you know, our goal always, you know, if we can do this without having to introduce any factors and medications into someone's life, we certainly are all for that. We talked a little bit in our screening, you know, conversations around cancer and some types of cancer which cancers are most common in men um, and why is it important for us to get, have early detection of these things?
1: Yeah. So the most common uh, type of cancer in men is prostate cancer. The, The old adage goes that most men will die with prostate cancer and not from prostate cancer, but that's not to say that men won't suffer from prostate cancer in their life. So it's very important that from a prostate cancer perspective, if men are developing difficulty emptying their bladder, increasing frequency of urination, blood in their urine, if they have a strong family history of prostate cancer, or at the age of 55, that they begin to talk with their doctor about screening for prostate cancer. That can be done through a couple of different ways. Sometimes it's a physical exam maneuver where we're feeling the prostate to make sure that there aren't any concerning masses. And then oftentimes we're screening the urine tests and we're screening blood tests. The other most common cause of of cancer in men is gonna be colon cancer. Colon cancer screening is very important. Oftentimes we, we find that there can be prevention in finding precancerous lesions in the colon. And the new recommendation is that men universally have colon cancer screening starting at the age of 45. Now, screening may happen earlier if you have a strong family history. For instance, if you have a, a first degree relative that has been diagnosed with, with colon cancer, the recommendation is at, as early as 40, or perhaps earlier, 10 years earlier than your first degree relative was diagnosed, you should undergo screening. Now, colonoscopy is not the only way that we can screen. That's very important because a lot of our patients are concerned that colonoscopy is an invasive procedure and they don't want to undergo anesthesia and and whatnot. So we do have alternative tests that are less invasive that we may just have to do more frequently to adequately screen, screen our patients. Then, of course, you have lung cancer. Lung cancer um, is is the third most common type of cancer in men and is often but not always caused uh, in part by smoking. There are some types of lung cancers that occur because of a genetic predisposition. And so screening for lung cancer is indicated for those that do have an extensive smoking history who are over or at the age of 50. And so your doctor may consider doing a CAT scan every year.
0: Dr. Nathan Delafield is answering your top questions about men's health. You can make a virtual or in-person appointment with a district medical group provider at Valleywise Health by calling 833-855-9973 Monday through Friday from 7.30 a.m. to 5 p.m. or by visiting the valleywisehealth.org and clicking the book appointment button. So we looted a little bit about the prostate and that, you know, is specifically a cancer that we find in men.
1: What is the prostate and why is it important for men's health? Yeah, so the prostate is a gland, a very small walnut-shaped and sized gland that sits just behind the bladder. Now, this gland helps to produce fluids that 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 contribute to semen and reproduction in men, and as men age, it tends to get bigger. Men may begin to to complain that they are urinating more frequently at night or they're having difficulty emptying their bladder. They feel like they have to go right after they've already gone. And so that can be a sign of benign prostatic hyperplasia or an enlarged prostate it's very difficult at times to differentiate that from, you know, a prostate cancer, and that's what's important about having a conversation with your doctor about any concerning symptoms that you may have uh, so that we can get appropriate diagnostic and screening tests done uh, to make sure that this isn't anything more concerning.
0: What are some other health concerns that occur as men begin
1: to age? Well, as men begin to age, obviously, they, they, we have an increasing incidence of those cardiovascular problems like elevated blood pressure, diabetes or high blood uh, sugar, cholesterol problems, stress, anxiety, depression may begin to, to take effect as we realize that we weren't the we aren't we are no longer the young men that we once were. Um, other problems: increasing risk of cardiovascular disease based on age alone is is a risk factor. Weakened bones and weakened bone strength, lower testosterone, poor sleep habits. Those are the types of things that we, we will commonly see men for that increase with age and as age progresses. And of course, uh, some of these in, these these problems with the types of cancers we've discussed are certainly more common as we age as well.
0: No topic in this day and age would complete be complete without talking about vaccines and vaccinations. Yes. We certainly received numerous vaccines as we were children and, and growing up through this. And as we get into our adulthood, what vaccines should men be considering taking and keeping current with outside of our annual influenza vaccine and certainly currently now COVID-19 vaccinations?
1: Uh, And To underscore that it's very important that everyone get their annual flu vaccine and their COVID-19 vaccine if they haven't already but the other uh, I would say three vaccinations that are typically relevant for for adult men uh, would be uh, a tetanus vaccine for uh, once every 10 years on average getting updated uh, men over the age of 50 are, are eligible for and should receive a shingles vaccine to prevent the uh, virus that causes chickenpox from rearing its ugly head and causing a very painful skin uh, uh, rash and, and um, uh, reaction. Um, and for for select patients, particularly over the age of uh, 18 with chronic medical conditions like diabetes, heart, kidney, lung and, and liver disease, they may be eligible for pneumonia vaccines. Now, we universally vaccinate men over the age of 65 for pneumonia because we know that they're at higher risk, but there are subsets of patients that would benefit from vaccines earlier on as well. And so those are some of the most common vaccinations that we'll give. But again, talk to your primary care provider, talk to your healthcare team about unique factors in your life that may put you at increased risk and may, may change that guideline a bit. One of
0: the other key concerns that many people have as they visit their healthcare professional is really around mental health. And certainly as we've kind of traversed over the last 20 months, starting to see the rise of the various mental health issues that individuals are dealing with. What are some of the common mental health issues that may be more prevalent in women, excuse me, more prevalent in men than they are in women?
1: Yeah, Um, men are more likely to uh, experience, well, I would say this, Men are very likely to experience anxiety and depression, perhaps not more likely to experience them, but less likely to seek out care for them. And importantly, their men are also more likely to uh, commit suicide than women are. And so, as a result, mental health is physical health. It's very important that we, um, as a society, begin to recognize the terrible impact that um, that mental health and this mental health crisis, uh, anxiety, depression, all made worse, of course, by by the COVID-19 pandemic, has has uh, has on the impact of of men's health, women's health. Our health as a society, taking it seriously, getting effective treatment, seeking out counseling, taking care of yourself, and knowing that if ever you feel like you don't have any other options, your healthcare team is here to support you, take care of you, get you out of crisis, and keep you safe.
0: What are some of those symptoms that people may, you know, begin to feel or begin to notice in themselves or others around you begin to point out to you that indicate that you may be depressed or anxious or have some other underlying, you know, mental uh, health
1: disorder that needs help? Yeah, Uh, pulling away from those things that you've previously found enjoyable, uh, uh, having increasing agitation or angry outbursts, poor focus, lack of sleep, under or overeating, those are some of the common symptoms that may be a manifestation or symptom of anxiety and depression. Uh, and, you know, worsening performance at work or in relationships or uh, in, in other organizations that you may be a part of, that can all be a symptom of, a, of, of an underlying um, mental health disorder that could be affecting you.
0: If you're just tuning in, we're talking about men's health with Dr. Nathan Delafield, a district medical group physician at ValleyWise Health. What sort of treatments do we have that are available outside of counseling that you had mentioned earlier that can help individuals cope with some of these mental health challenges?
1: Yeah. We have a a host of, of options that we often like to personalize for each individual patient based on their past medical history. But we have antidepressants, we have anti-anxiety medications, and we have more advanced therapies that we can provide to patients if they're suffering from a mental health disorder. But I can't um, discount the significant and important role that therapy and counseling may play in patients that are experiencing this. Now, I often tell my patients that professional athletes have trainers too. So we all, no matter how healthy we see ourselves as, could benefit from a little extra help. And so seeking out that therapy can be a tremendous benefit to you, your health, your mental health specifically.
0: What are some of the things that you can, that we can give tips around that men can do to stay healthy and prevent disease?
1: Yeah, a few different tips that that I recommend um, would be to uh, have a well-balanced diet uh, one that is rich in 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 uh, colorful vegetables, non processed foods, limiting red meat and carbohydrates, remaining physically active. So get moving, 30 minutes at least three times per week. Do something that elevates your heart rate consistently, um, get your heart pumping, and allows you to exercise, sweat, and um, uh, and and third, I would say protect your mental space. Seek out help if you need it. Continue to build a, a, a healthcare team that can be supportive of you when you're in crisis, either for a physical or mental healthcare problem, and know that there are resources out there to keep you healthy.
0: Yeah, I absolutely agree. And I think it's also important for people to really understand where they came from. You know, understand and have those conversations around your family to understand are there diseases that you may see within your family that you should know about so you can communicate that to your healthcare professional because it helps us absolutely. determine the best path to help guide you on your healthcare goals.
1: Mm-hmm. So, around. I agree with that.
0: You know, we've talked a lot about forming a relationship and finding a, a healthcare professional that you can trust. Are there tips and things that you recommend for folks to be able to establish that trust with a healthcare provider, so you're able to get the greatest benefit from these conversations?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, I think, uh, in my experience as as a physician, but also as a patient. Um, getting a a recommendation from those that you know and trust based on providers that have uh, have served your friends and family well can be a good starting point. Uh, Getting in with someone and and determining whether or not your personalities and and, uh, view toward your health align. Um, And making it very clear what your goals and objectives are, I think, are three early uh, steps that you can take to establishing care with someone to make sure that you have a healthy uh, productive relationship with your healthcare team always know that you 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 know if if something doesn't feel quite right speak up advocate for yourself and you know perhaps you know it, it may just be a personality difference in establishing the right relationship but i'm sure that there's a doctor or healthcare team out there that would suit you
0: And I think that's probably the most important, you know, piece to that is that kind of that last comment is, is if you may not gel with everyone, we don't gel with everyone at work, we don't gel with everyone within the community, you may not gel with the initial healthcare provider that you saw, it's okay to change. We're not, we, and I'm speaking for the both of us, we are never offended if somebody says, you know, I think I want to, you know, try somebody else, please do that. You know, my goal is for you to be happy. Healthy, and we're doing the best things that we can do to form, you know, your healthcare goals and have you meet them. If I'm not the best p- for, p- physician for you, please, you know, I'm happy to help, have conversations, and refer you to others that may f- fit you better. Absolutely, so, yeah. You know, Dr. Delphil, as we're ending our time here together today. What are some of the top three takeaways that we can leave our audience with around men's health to have them be their happy, healthy lives?
1: Yeah, I I think the first is recognizing that men are at higher risk, and so we need to play an active role in our health to make sure that we are preventing some of these healthcare problems from occurring. Establishing care with the doctor so you can have resource, you can ask these really important questions, and you can know where you stand on, on the spectrum of, of being at risk for disease and disorders. And then third, taking care of yourself. And that's the whole body self. Making sure to, to address your mental health care and regularly check in with yourself, take care of your physical health, exercise, eat a well-balanced diet, um, and, and if something isn't right, speak up about it and seek care earlier than later.
0: Dr. Delafield, thank you so much for your time today. If you missed any part of the show or want to hear something again, you can access all of our blogs and podcasts at valleywisehealth.org slash be well. We hope you enjoyed listening to Wellness Now, brought to you by Valleywise Health and District Medical Group. If you're looking for more information about what you heard today, visit us online at valleywisehealth.org be well. There you'll find blogs, podcasts, and information about the health care providers you heard on the show. You can even book an appointment at a Health community health center near you. That's valleywisehealth.org slash be well. Thanks for listening and we hope you'll tune in again soon.